Hey, what's up? You're tuned into the podcast edition of The Cutting Room, the show where we talk to industry-leading marketing professionals about their content marketing philosophy, process, and pregame before they edit an article live. I'm your host, Tommy Walker, and thank you so much for listening today. My guest today is Brendan Hufford, the founder of Growth Sprint, and in our conversation, we talk about the ridiculous state of content marketing today, how the phrase customer-centric has become hollowed out, and why creating intellectual properties around your customer's problem is the way of the future. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Tell me about your content marketing philosophy and how has it evolved over time? Yeah, let's talk about uh, where where it's come from and then maybe we can talk about where it is today. So I came up in the, uh, what I call like the online marketing world, which is different than like the digital marketing mm -hmm. world. Digital marketing is like adults doing adult things for businesses. Online marketing is like, here's a webinar about how to do webinars and like podcasts about podcasts. You know, it's not like Ty lopez -y type of stuff, right? Ads about how to yeah, run yeah. ads and stuff. It's bad. Um, but I came up in that world. <laughs> so like breaking out of that world of like, oh, there's like content that's actually helpful for people. It's not just like click funnels and like trying to like, you know, get the cash as quick as you can and upsells, downsells and all that madness. Like I got more into this bigger world of like, there is a quality standard that we can hold ourselves to. And I think that was really interesting. I uh, have had the fortune of working with a lot of really good editors over time and people who have pushed my work. Um, I'll give you an example. I'll give you a couple examples. I reached out to, um, I will teach you to be rich, Ramit Sethi's uh, company yep. said I wanted to write an article for them about this thing I was doing, right? I had start, figured out I was running an e-commerce business at the time. It was really interesting. I'd figured out imports and exports. I had the chance to work with Sean Blanda when he was there. Um, he since went on to work at Envision uh, in a couple other places, and he's one of the best editors. He was the first one. We wrote this big, long article. It was like 6,000 words long. Uh, and he was like, hey, um, you're also... Fun fact, we wrote it over the course of like a year. Like it took us a year to wow. write this. I had some personal stuff happen in my life. He had some personal stuff happen in his life, but we kept it going. It was really cool. Yeah. Um, you can literally see like the, it was like March to March. You can see the emails back and forth to us. Uh, I have screenshots that are really cool. But like we worked on this and he was like, you're going to kill me. But this two paragraph section here, this is the actual interesting part. This is the whole article. Can we make this the article? And that was the first time somebody like really pushed me on writing. Yeah. That was the first time I would ever say in my like I had put out a lot of content up until that point. That was the first time I ever felt like I got like truly edited by a professional editor. Yeah. And like he like I said he's since gone on to like Crossbeam and he's doing great stuff there now. Uh, I had the chance to work with Benjamin Elias when I was at Active Campaign. Um two of us at Active Campaign, myself and Lauren Minning both had documents of his edits were so thoughtful that uh, we didn't want to just click accept and have it disappear into the ether forever. So we would copy and paste his reply. It was like some like real like Anne Lamott bird by bird stuff in the, just in the side of a Google doc. And we're like, Benjamin, this is like wasted on us. It's brilliant. So we both had those. <laughs> um, and then I've also gotten to work with uh, Jay Akunzo, who's also been on the show, right? So I have like little tiny, like Sean in my brain going, what part of this is like the actual article? Um, I have Tiny Benjamin going like, what are we really trying to do here? And then, you know, yep. I have Tiny Jay Akunzo being like, is this just more noise? Like, is this actually valuable? Right. And that sort of stuff, like having these tiny voices that have come from just a large body of work. I've made a ton of content over the years, video, podcasts, 
written a really prolific amount. Um, most of it, arguably, arguably very mid, uh, but like some of it's really good and I'm really proud of some of it. And a lot of that has come from working with great people. So that's like how we got here. Um, I think today, maybe there's like three pieces to if I had to put together a content marketing philosophy, right? The first is taking content out of a silo. Content has to, especially if we're talking about doing things for businesses or whatever, like it has to do more than one thing for the business. Content that only right. gets traffic from SEO. And we're like, we don't want to email that to people. They shouldn't be reading it. We don't want to like link to it on social. It feels weird. Like anything that only does one thing, I don't know if it's great. Now there's a lot of stuff we make that isn't, I wouldn't necessarily consider content that does like one thing really well. But if you're creating true content, it has to do more than one thing for the business. The more things it can do, the better. If you have a piece of content or a content series that does five, six, seven things for the business, that's where you mm -hmm. get into a really cool space. That's where your work becomes nope. really valuable. I'm going to jump in there. Like, What types of things are you thinking about uh, for what it might do for the business? Yes. So I think it's really easy to get tactical and be like, it's a podcast or it's a what like it's not the, the tactics of it and like what type of content matters less. Uh, what matters more is exactly yeah. the question you ask, like what can it do? So if I can uh, repurpose this other places, that's a thing it can do for the business. It can expand reach, right? If this is something sales enablement, yep. you know, sales teams can use to close deals uh, and it has that level of resonance with a buyer where after they read this, they feel more comfortable continuing or starting the sales process. That's super important. Um, if it can pull traffic from multiple channels, like, right, if I can take this piece of content, and it could be through repurposing, or whatever, um, it can do that if it's driving conversions, if it's, um, I don't, I'm trying to think of like a couple others. Um, but like, you know, if it expands, like, if it helps us like raise funding, like whatever thing that the business needs to do to like keep growing, if it attracts a pipeline of talent, if it's so good at attracting. So I think animals was really good at this for a long time of like the content that like simply yeah. Jimmy Daly was putting out. People were not only like, this is really cool and smart. It helps me do my job. It does all these things, but they're also like, I want to work there. Like I want to work at the place that makes this right. And now you have a talent right. pipeline. You're trying to acquire customers, but it's so good that it, now is building a talent pipeline, like that's really interesting, right? That sort of stuff where it's like, how many things can this do? Because I think early on, I tried to make a lot of decisions based on like, are you familiar with like the Eisenhower boxes that like for how urgent and how important? No. So the Eisenhower boxes, uh, if you imagine like a quadrant of like urgency is yep. on one side and importance is on the other. Like if it's both oh, yeah, urgent yeah, yeah, yeah. and important, do it now. And it like helps you delegate. But you're like, my then next question was, how do I know what's important? Everything feels important. Urgent, I can kind of figure out, but like everything feels important. What's actually important, what we should focus on are things that do more than one thing. That was like a really healthy, like just nuance that changed how I thought about that stuff. And then I apply that to content as well, right? Like what do we pursue and how do we do it? The more things we can get, and I don't mean like more things we can get this to do because we're repurposing it everywhere. I think it's a huge mistake a lot of companies make. They take yep. something that doesn't resonate and is crappy and then they repurpose it everywhere. I'm like, you guys literally stop. Like just spreading, need, spreading crap content distribution and content repurposing is a terrible <laughs> idea for most companies because their stuff sucks. And I say that as like my stuff sucks. 
right? If, if I yeah. do a podcast interview and it's arguably not great, should I split it into 50 clips and create a blog post and send out 12 emails about it? Like, probably not. Just let it be the podcast. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we're repurposing stuff that yeah. doesn't have a purpose to begin with. That's a good one. Yeah, That's a good way to phrase it. That's a that's a quote. We're gonna put that right in the go. trailer. Good. We did done. it. <laughs> um, all right. So you said three kind of revolved around three different areas. Yep. I kind of cut you off or took us on a different trail. No, no, no. On, on number Content one. out of the silo. But let's keep going. Yep. Second one is yep. is it has to be customer centric. This is a very easy thing to say, a very hard thing to do. Everybody says talk to customers mm. all over LinkedIn, all over Twitter. Every oh no, we're customer centric. Talk to customers. Talk to customers. Everybody says that, and then everybody is left with like, how do I talk to customers? Like, what do I do? How do I do this? And I think that's a really mm -hmm. important part of like content marketing that we leave out is like how to actually yep. talk to customers. And like, tactically, how do we do it? Like Benjamin at Active Campaign, uh, I think all the emails all for a long time had a like, Calendly link in the footer. And he just had like one slot open every day to talk to a customer. And people would just book him out. Oh, that's brilliant. It was wild. I mean, I might be like misremembering the story, but like he just basically had a Calendly link and like people would get that and he would just constantly be talking to customers. And like that just informed. And you saw that when he went to Podia, he shared mm -hmm. a lot of like really cool stuff that he learned of all these uses of the product that he never would have thought of because he talked to them. And it's not just like, so there's a systems of like, how do I start these conversations? And then like, what do I say on these things, right? Like it's very, and again, mm. like there's, we get left, that's left out. You're just like, talk to them, just talk to them. Well, I think arguably interviewing, you would probably agree, interviewing is a skill. It's hard. Oh, yeah. You have to learn a lot of things, like even simple stuff like the um, Chris Voss never split the difference, like just mirroring people. I was... <laughs> Yep. I do it now. Benjamin used to do it to me. And then once I learned what it was, I was like, are you mirroring me? Stop. Um, <laughs> like just repeating somebody's phrase back to them. Like if I said, you know, you're mirroring yeah. me and you just went mirroring you, like I will now expand on that and tell more. It's way, it's better than being like a five-year-old and just being like, why, 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 why? There's ways to get layers deeper. And that stuff is really valuable. You get past these like, um, I call them like phantom pain points of like, people are like, oh, I, this is the thing I care about. And you're like, cool, I'm a marketer. That's the thing you care about. That's all we talk about now. It's a great yeah. start. But like the presenting, just like any good physician is like the presenting problem is often not the problem. My neck hurts. My neck hurts because my like, you know, uh, my calves are too tight. Like that's a real thing that can right. happen. So they have to like diagnose and figure that out. And I think we do too, as marketers, we have to be, um, you know, again, what Jay would call like explorers, right? And uh, my friend John Bedini would yep. call like journalists, you know? Yep. Yeah. What I think is interesting about that, because uh, when I was at Shopify, right now, I always talk about my experiences at Shopify. But when I was at Shopify, one of the things that we had were I, I wanted to take a different approach with our case studies, right? Because it was the traditional case studies, company X works with company Y and CZ results. And I said, Nope, I want to do this more like a Rolling Stone interview, right? And the person who I had doing those interviews was a journalist in their previous life. They had won awards for their journalism and everything. And what we had learned from those, taking that approach, right, we had, we had seen and learned more about the problems that they had that could then fuel the rest of our strategy rather than just say, hey, tell us how awesome we are and how you came to, you know, get to know us and all of that. Like, 
it, th there was this like inherent idea of, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm on the website, I see ca case studies, you know, I see testimonials. Of course, I'm biased. Like I already know you bought the thing just because you're there. But what I always wanted to know was what led up to that problem, right? Because it's always problem, agitation, solution, right? But I wanted to know what led up to the problem. And we had some really, really great stories. We learned that people started their business as like a big F you to their bullies. We had learned that, you know, somebody <laughs> somebody was doing uh, drugs in the warehouse. Like, and they were we were learning all of these different things and what it took to manage a business and like the real problems that were being had. And we could feel that all over the place. And it just, you know, we would never have gotten that information if we had taken this approach of, you know, hey, tell me about how awesome we are. So, totally. um, yeah, I think my friend the, uh, the, Catherine is like, she uh, ran a company and sold it recently called Best Self. And she tells stories of like yep. embezzlement and like her original co-founder, like they had a breakup and that was a nightmare. You get into these stories and you're like, yeah, oh, that's what the audience, the audience wants that. Like that's, that's yeah. the story. It's not like. How I grew, you know, my company to X dollars or percentage, like that's cool too. Like nobody wants to like read a case yep. study about somebody who, like, you know, isn't doing great. But those stories are really interesting. Yeah. Well, and it's like, look at how awesome we are, right? Like that's the thing is everybody's. It's a lot of puffery if you're if you're not taking a real, real customer centric approach. Now I want to I'm going to push on you a little bit on that because it is a phrase that's bastardize right what is what does that really mean to you okay what does real customer centricity mean okay i'm so glad you're like reading my mind this is a thing i was actually talking to somebody the other day about this of like i want to figure out like when did we start using because it was like all the rage in my world of like b2b SaaS and software for mm -hmm. a long time everybody was like we're customer centric it's all customer centric it's everybody's keynote for like years and like recently a friend was sharing, uh, they were trying to get out of their Zoom Info contract. And yep. Zoom Info was like, screw you. There's like two minutes on a Tuesday where you can call us and cancel, but outside of that, it's auto renewed forever, <laughs> right? And I just thought to myself like, yeah. and then like the, the rep is like rude and mean to the person. And I'm like, how did we get here? Like Zoom Info is a company that people hold up as like, this is a great, look right. at their revenue and all this stuff. And I'm like, but that's how they get there. They treat people like this. And it's like, how did we get here? And it took me back to like, this is something like it's really important in my work is like being more of it. And I I want to caveat here. I, I feel name droppy sometimes. I just like really like submitting my sources. I don't I would be so pissed <laughs> if I was like Jay Akonzo and like his words are coming out of my mouth and I'm not like this is just assume everything I'm yeah. saying that's smart, somebody else said first. And everything I say today <laughs> that's dumb, that's me. Okay. Can we just can we move on? I won't have to say it. Cite my story. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's like it's really important to me, like being an explorer and thinking about that. Like we can get into the tactics, and this is also a good lesson for creating content. Creating that like how-to content, that like lower, like it's great if that's who your buyer is and that's who you want to appeal to. But specifically, myself yeah. and others, like we want to appeal to directors, managers, executives, etc. And we have to ask those bigger questions of like, what does customer-centric mean? And where did it come from? When yeah. did we first use that? Like, when do we see that come up? So I'm like Googling and I'm looking for like the first articles in tech that are saying the phrase customer centric. And I'm taking this like very exploration kind of, you know, view of it. Um, so I'm kind of in the middle of that, which is wild that we're talking about this today unprompted. 
Uh, I'm in the middle of that right now. I don't have a direct answer of like, when did this start or how did we get where we are today, right? But I can tell you that it is something that either is in the DNA of a company or it is not. And what I mean yep. by that is, let's use Active Campaign as an example. Um, it is in their DNA to be very customer centric in a lot of ways. Uh, for example, and this is something that killed me that they wouldn't let me market when I was there. I really wanted to like, so they don't have like a specific buyer. They just don't. Yeah. Clavio uh, is eating their lunch because their Clavio is like, we're for e-commerce and active campaign is like, that's cool. We're still for everybody. And I'm like, but let's get aggressive <laughs> about that. Let's be like punchy and aggressive and be like, that's mean that they're picking a person. We're better because we're, you know, like, let's put a flag in the ground. And like, well, because again, like it's in the DNA of like, well, we're kind of just like neutral and bland. Um, and that's fine. But like it's in their DNA and it's so much they there's uh, they have customers. Listen to this, Tommy. They have customers that still have local installs of active campaign. Like it's on a server wow. at the company, the customer's company. And they like mail them wow. like discs or something for like updates. <laughs> what? What a what? Like, let me say that. Can I please say that? <laughs> and they're like, no, like, that's not, we don't want to like, mm, mm, some, I don't know. But I'm just like, this is so funny and rad. Like, what a weird, yeah. we're also like a Midwest company. Like, could you be more Midwestern about this? Like, it's so right. good to me. Anyways, but like, that's in their DNA and it spreads through the whole company to their own detriment, in my opinion, Right to their own detriment, they are stuck on this. Like, this is how we think. And the um, the CEO, I, yeah, I don't know why I wouldn't be able to say this. The CEO still reads like every, like they send out NPS stuff to customers and that guy reads every single one of those. Everyone, everyone. And it's like, that's the stuff that I'm talking. It's like, that's how that looks and feels. Like even to our own detriment, we are going to, refuse to tell customers we can't serve you anymore. We are going to refuse, like we're going to stay like our CEO who is running a $150 million a year plus business with, you know, they, I think we're over like a thousand employees at some point, like global company offices in Ireland and Australia and all this stuff. And it's like, oh no, I still want to read all these like NPS things. Like that's an important part of his day. So I think that is like one example of it, but like Customer centric is either in your DNA or it is not because it has to be a part of everything. It's a part of how you hire. It's how you do your marketing org. I listened to a podcast recently with um, Megan Anderson, uh, who's at Jasper now. And she explained that like, they have two buyers. They have like the enterprise buyer and then like the general use for everything buyer. So they literally organize Mm -hmm. their marketing team that way. They have a team for the enterprise buyer and a team for that. And those people just hyper focus on that buyer. And I'm like, that feels customer centric to me. So instead of it being, right, well, we have a brand team and then we have a design team and then we have a, you know, organic search team. Like, no, no, no. Like it's about, we're literally, our org chart is our customers. That's cool. Like there's ways that this like feels. Um, That's about the point where I am in the exploration though of like, it's, and I think it's a hard thing to do. Like you can't, it can't be some junior marketer being like, I think we could be more customer centric. Like it has to be how you build the product, how you do support, how you do all of these sorts of things. The idea that a business is 
focusing on their individual segments. Because I know I've been in this case, uh, this instance before too, where um, it's it's been, you know, let's start focusing on, we want to do different verticals. We want to do restaurants. We want to do automotive. We want to do, you know, uh, publishing, whatever, right? And it's the same group of people who are just going, okay, well, now what, what are other people saying about this and how do we remix that and, you know, put our own little spin on it? But nobody's actually talked to any of these people. And, uh, and then it's hard to, like, reflect back what, these, what the issues are, what the challenges are. So you end up, you know, uh, for me, it's all about not shouting into the void first and second, um, not insulting your reader's intelligence or your viewer's intelligence. And, and you see that so much where it's like you can just assume some people know stuff coming into this. And if you don't have those conversations, you don't know what that baseline knowledge is. So I think that's... Yeah, I'll give you an example. Like if you were to sell into legal yeah, and they were like, and you're talking about how like your software will like help them get more cases and more cases and more cases. And you just keep using this word cases, which makes sense. Like you're a writer... They right. want more cases, um, except they're not trial lawyers. They don't have cases. They have clients and they're on retainer. Right. And you haven't even talked to, like, it's just, if your whole content strategy has come out of some like SEMrush keywords, like we've lost the plot a little bit, Right. you know? And, I th and it's not, I'm not smarter than anybody. I'm literally walking you through all the dumb crap that I've done. There's no judgment if you're like, oh, God, like, <laughs> yeah, our content strategy is we exported the SEMrush keywords sorted for, like, highest volume and lowest difficulty, and now that's our content strategy. I get that. Like, I've been there, right? And then I had a smart CMO yep. go, is this what you did here? And I was like, I'm dumb. Sorry. I'll fix it immediately. Yeah, you're right. Like I didn't even, I didn't do any thinking outside of a keyword export from an SEO tool. Like, and that's, that happens. Right. So hopefully people can skip that right. step, you know? Well, and like, why are people searching for these things? Like, it's not just a matter of hitting the thing. It's like actually meditating or having that conversation. On yeah. From the SEO that. world, the number of people that actually, they're like, well, the search intent is like buyer intent or education intent. Yeah, man. But like, take three seconds to figure out what people want. I wrote a, uh, an article a long time ago about digital marketing skills. And I thought, Tommy, that yep. like people wanted, because if you Google digital marketing skills, this is still true today as it was like three or four years ago. Uh, it's like top 10 digital marketing skills, top 11, top 14. The and <laughs> It's literally just numbers straight down the search results. And I'm like, all right, boom, people want a listicle. Yeah. That's what they want. And then my brain went, Brendan, nobody wants a listicle ever. Nobody wants that. And then I just, look, I took some time I looked at, and I, I didn't even have anybody to really talk to because this wasn't, this was like a very generic topic, but I just looked at the Google autocomplete and it was like digital yep. marketing skills, 2019, digital marketing skills for resume, digital marketing skills, career change. And I went, oh, these are people who hate their job that are trying to learn digital marketing to change their life. I've done that. I am the perfect right. person to write this. And then you title your article, three digital marketing skills that changed my career parenthesis and my life that gets clicks yep. that resonates because it's what they actually wanted right and if you have somebody to talk to like customers do that for sure now there was a third yep area there we're going a little over time on the format but i apologize I i'm a little um, uh extra 
no 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 this is perfect i i like i to me this is the best thing like one of the biggest pieces of feedback that we've got when i talk about customer centric one of the biggest pieces of feedback we've gotten when we send out the post show survey is like i wish the show would go longer so you know here we are can i give, can I give people one more so, thing can i give people like one more option just with the, the customer thing yeah, 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 for um, sure. I started calling this like the 3S strategy, but it's just finding regular times to meet. Like if you have a, a team and an organization and stuff, uh, talk to, and if you don't, if you're watching this because you're a freelancer or something like that, do this, do this too. Like make this a part of your offer. Everybody loves this because it makes the software better. The 3S's, sales, success, and support. Find time to meet with those people. Find somebody from sales, build like a, a call it an advisor, an internal advisory board or whatever you want. Um, mm -hmm. meet with those people. They will have insights into the customers that you won't have, right? Also building, like I said, the internal advisory board, build a customer advisory board. I couldn't, when I was at Active Campaign, I'm like, can I please talk to customers? And they're like, well, we already have a customer marketing team. And I'm like, mm, okay, I don't care. Uh, and I just like, <laughs> I just post on LinkedIn. I'm like, who do I know that uses Active Campaign? And like 30 people commented. And I'm like, you're my customer advisory board now. I'm going to ask you about the stuff I'm yeah. going to do And you can tell me if it's like yep. lame. And I know that sounds silly, but I got really strong insights out of that. That's fantastic. That, that was that was I one of our main things that's left out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that was the main thing that we had done at Shopify. Like it was because I was there, so I was first marketing hire employee fourteen, and then by the time I left, there was like three hundred employees. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, it is. But like being part of that as at hyper growth, when as the only person, one of the major things that I had done was. I, I had on a regular monthly cadence with the customer success team, I sent out, you know, a form that said, hey, nominate a customer, then we would talk to the customers, right? And then we talked with our so we were having a conversation with our support team on a regular basis. We were having conversations with our customers on a regular basis. And then we would use those with the sales team and we'd ask the sales team like, hey, what narratives are you seeing right now? Because a lot of that was outbound sales. So what narratives are you seeing? What are the challenges that you're having? And then how can we kind of flip the narrative on some of these conversations? Because we now know that these are the things and that's why Shopify, Shopify Plus specifically grew as fast as it did at that time. I have to believe it's because we were dialed in to everything that everybody was saying. And when we did something like our industry reports, the, sub, the narrative, the, the subtext of those reports was, hey, we might not have all the same features, but we know your market better than anybody else. Yeah. And because of that, these are the things that we're capitalizing on. This is what's happening in the next five years. Now, if you can't take advantage of that because your platform, you know, what, your platform's getting in your way. And that was like all because of all the conversations we were having and just sort of reflecting everything back to those people. Okay, so you had said we've got, we've, we've nailed one, we've nailed two. What's number three? Uh, so I think outside of like taking it out of a silo, um, talking like being customer centric, talking to customers. The third one is the thing you mentioned kind of at the beginning, which is, moving yourself out of the copycat commodity content world. Uh, I talked to a CMO the yep. other day and she used the word creative instead of content. And I was like, that just elevates the craft, right? Like if you're right. asking your team to produce creative uh, versus content. That's like a weird, an interesting way. You're not Jedi mind tricking people really, but like just yeah. shows you're having a really high standard. Um, but it's this idea of like content IP, like creating intellectual property. 
Um, a lot of times the mistake I see people making, especially SaaS and software companies, is they're like, yeah, IP, strategic narrative, we're going to create a category. And it's like, you know, <laughs> like you, can you imagine if Shopify was like, we're small business revenue success enablement? What? <laughs> what does that what? mean? You know, Active Campaign was like, we're customer experience automation. Y'all, most people don't even know what? we do email. Like, can we just do, <laughs> like, come on. You know what I mean? Like, it's this huge company. Yeah. I, I, knew, I knew I had an opportunity ahead of me when I went from an agency that was a B2B SaaS marketing agency to Active Campaign. And when I told people I was going to Active Campaign, half of the replies were like, that's awesome, cool company. And half of them were like, who? And I was like, look, we're a $150 million a year company. And even SaaS marketers have never heard of Active Campaign. We have some opportunity. Right. We spent a lot of time like creating this category that nobody wanted or needed. And it was like, that's that's not it. We would have been yeah. better off taking all of that work creating IP and making IP around our customers' problems by naming the problems and creating the name that becomes the phrase everybody uses to describe it. People, the yep. solution becomes less relevant right? Like that's just good marketing is like, you gave me the words to describe my problem the thing I felt and seen for years and could never articulate. You gave that to me. So it's instant trust. Yeah, we talked about that. Uh, before when we did the pre interview was um, if you can name the problem, if you can articulate the problem better than somebody else can, and it's like on the tip of somebody's tongue, that's generally the thing that shows, hey, you understand this, like, I'm going to trust you, even if your solution is half baked at the time, there's there's le like, level of trust where it's like, Oh, yeah, we know you're headed in the right direction, because you clearly know the problem that we're trying to that we're having. And I think that's that's brilliant. Okay, so we're going to move on to the next portion of the show, which is, we've got all the information, we've done the customer centricity, right? We've uh, we've understood what we're trying to do for an IP. We've been talking to people about that. Now, what's the process from ideation all the way to launch or publication? Yeah, so when I start looking through stuff like this and I think about like planning and creating great content, I have to be honest with you, I'm very spoiled at this point. Being inside like the big machine at a company is a little different. We, I can reflect on that as well. But... Uh, a lot of this comes from things I can't not say. Like there are things inside of me where I'm just like, this has to get out. Yeah. Inside of a big company, we can be as idealistic as we want. And I'm really glad I had the experience being at Active Campaign because being in a non-leadership role, like with the best of intent, like it really is, it's either in the DNA or it isn't to do certain things. Um, and we did a lot of like great stuff. We had a lot of like really cool, like big campaigns and things like that, that I was really proud of. But like a lot of the things I wanted to do just were not on anybody's radar. And I personally am a pain in the ass when you're like, yeah, we can do that next year. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Be like, let me work. <laughs> let me work. Um, yeah. especially when I have something inside of me that I'm like, this has to get out. This has to be a big deal. Um, so that's like a big part of it. It's just like, has this been rattling around for a while? So I think like, if, if we want to like, actually make this like the process, right? Um, you can already tell from my personality, if you're watching this, right? Like, 
it's pretty aggressive. Uh, I'm pretty punchy, spiky points of view, however you want to describe that. Like, I love that stuff. I love really aggressive copy. It is how I think about things. My love language is words of affirmation. Um, I look at my Readwise. Do you know what Readwise is? Have you ever used it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so it yeah. shows me my Kindle hi- five Kindle highlights every day. I will read my Readwise app and like get emotional and like a lot of dust in the room, a lot of misty eyes. Like just read words mean a lot. Like give me Readwise gives right. me three Brene Brown quotes in a row. I am done. Like I need a <laughs> right. So words mean yeah. a lot to me. So I'm try and it's funny because even though words mean a lot to me. What I'm realizing is like, I love language and words, but I love ideas even more. Half of my stuff goes live with typos and things like that. Like I have typos in all my emails and all my LinkedIn posts. Like I just have a thing inside of me that I have to get out. So as I'm planning through that, I really take like a copywriting approach. This is a thing that I would say like, initially I felt like social media kind of broke my brain, but things like LinkedIn and Twitter threads I started to really formulate a lot of my work around like hook story offer, right? Can I hook you in and get you in the first little bit to be like, I'm gonna read this whole thing. I'm gonna watch this whole video. I'm gonna listen to this whole podcast, right? Then can I tell you a story, right? We're just naturally, I like telling stories. That's how I enjoy consuming things. I think we're all, I don't know. There's probably research on this that like, it's how we're wired from like some sort of like primal beginning to like attach the story. There's probably a smarter explanation. Tons, mirror, mirror neurons, and the, uh, yeah, Thank you. I smart, can go all day smart on that. things. I'm just like, mm, nice. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. But like, it, so like that, and then like the offer is just like allowing, the, like the, I'm offering you to do the thing you came here to do, right? There's also like yep. educate, empower, entertain. There's like a lot of things that I think through, like frameworks I use in my head. Um, but the real goal is like a copywriting approach of like the goal of the first sentence is to get you to read the second, the goal of the second is to get you to read the third. Not all of my stuff succeeds at this, but I want to keep pulling you down. Uh, I think there's a place for large scale skimmable content, right? We're going to do an epic guide to this. And, you know, we have a table of contents, you choose your own adventure kind of thing. Like, I love that too. But like as much as possible, especially if you're going to, if you're like, I'm pretty sure most of the people are going to read the opening paragraph that's where I want to spend all my time. And that's a big P like, I think a lot of times we worry about the body content and then, yeah, then we, it's almost like an afterthought, like intro and conclusion and conclusion. People just write conclusion in the header tag. And I'm like, Oh no, what a missed right. opportunity. Like could have like really said something. There was some big text. So like, that's a lot of how I think about it in terms of like planning and everything. The other thing when I, and I mentioned it earlier uh, on a grand scale planning, for me has kind of changed. Um, and I can show we can talk about I have like an actual framework that'll be helpful for people here in a second. Yeah, actually, I want to I kind of want to get into that cool. where it's like, when you're developing developing IP, let's like, really zero in on that when we're developing an IP, what's that process? Okay. Like? So I start with like problems, this comes back to like my philosophy on things like talking to people like really keeping my ear to the ground people are like, like, I I have a community, it's called All In. It's only for in-house SaaS marketers who wanna grow their career, yep. which is just like a, ve- a very small Venn diagram of the whole thing, right? Because like, that's exactly who I wanna talk to. And that's whose insights I want to glean and like the conversations I wanna be a part of, right? I made a clubhouse for me and my friends basically. And that sort of thing, like just keeping my ear to the ground, reading all the comments, 
being very thoughtful about what I consume and how I consume it and where I interact with people. Um, I have like one Facebook group and maybe three Slack groups where I read everything in there. Everything. I want to know all the questions that people, I want to know what they're struggling with. I want to think through, like, I love that sort of stuff as a part of my process. From there, when I feel like I have a good handle on a problem, part of me thinks through, how do I solve this, right? And do solutions already exist? If there's a great framework that already exists, or there's a great, uh, even sometimes it's like a technology solution, right? A software solution or something. Like, what is yeah. there solutions that already exist? How do they articulate that for people? Um, when those things don't exist, especially when nobody's like really phrased it before. And what I mean by that is like nobody's, I love like two or three word phrases, uh, typically things that either like rhyme or sound similar or something like they both start with the same word. Um, I'll give you an example. Like I worked with a uh, digital asset management solution. They're what you use after you outgrow Google Drive and Dropbox. E-commerce is huge because yeah. they have 10,000 pieces of creative flying around all the time. And it's like, what one do we use? You need some of the organization. But we talked about that like that and we kind of phrased it content chaos, right? You have this content yep. chaos and it's just, or even we talked about using the phrase commerce chaos, like to really lean in on that. But like that sort of thing, like, all right, we just want to like give it and we're going to use that phrase relentlessly, right? Because that uh, in very, in a Andy Raskin strategic narrative kind of way, we exist to help you navigate this new world, right? That exists or this new problem. Yep. So we need to name that stuff. And then we're just going to relentlessly talk about this until the point that like commerce chaos becomes how e-commerce store owners talk about having too much creative, right? Because nobody's named it before. So I start there, uh, like thinking like, just brainstorming. It's a lot of like Mad Libs and me Googling synonyms and stuff and saying it, <laughs> saying it out loud. Yeah. Like, does this sound cool when somebody says it to somebody else? Or does this sound weird and confusing? That sort of stuff. From there, I walked through like kind of, uh, I think it's like a five part framework, right? Um, we would think about like, what is like a piece of content uh, like that we would create around the problem? just explaining it's a problem. There are people who are not, are not aware this is a problem, right? Maybe it's not a problem for them yet. Maybe it's just something they haven't encountered. They're, it's silly. Like sometimes as marketers, we're like, well, we don't care about the problem unaware people. Like those, we want to start at the bottom <laughs> of the funnel. And I get that. But having a really strong point of view and being like, this is a problem that we exist to solve. Like that's something I think more people could benefit from. Um, so like, let's name the problem. Let's talk about the first roadblock to the problem. That's a thing I think a lot of marketers skip is, all right, cool. Here's the problem and here's the solution. Mistake. If you educate people on the first roadblock they'll encounter as they start to solve this problem, they'll go, oh, you do wonders. Because they're probably dealing with it because they are trying to solve that problem. They're like, right. okay, cool. You get my problem. You gave me words for it. Oh, that's what the second piece, like that's what I'm dealing with right now. Well, you really get it, Right then give them a template or a framework to solve the problem. And then I really think through like, uh, call it like a high level, interesting, almost like roundup. I'm using words people are familiar with, but like just give yeah. an example of like somebody that you've maybe never worked with or somebody interesting that is currently solving that problem. And then the last one is you can do like a case study. Like we've helped customer X solve that problem. And it takes yeah, people yeah, yeah. through a really, and that's what's awesome is you're like, all right, cool. Now we have these like five kind of pillars and then we can do the next problem. And if you stack two, we solve these two or three problems, 
all of a sudden you have like true IP around that. Um, it's like we created this phrase. It's, yes, everybody uses it now, but it's very much ours. We are the ones that, and everybody kind of knows that. Um, that is really, really powerful. It's kind of it's kind of the stuff that Jay Akonzo talks about, where it's uh, residents overreach, overreach yep. right? And you you can't get to that point if you don't if you haven't gone through these steps that you're talking about, right? It's it's very difficult to resonate if you don't understand who you're resonate or trying to resonate with, if you can't do the research to reflect this stuff back and create properties that are around these problems. And that's one of the main reasons why I started the show. It's because they're for a senior level person, you've got all the HubSpots of the world, right? But they dominate all the search engines. And I'm not searching for a lot of the problems that I might have because I don't Trust that there's going to be anything, right? And I don't Not have anybody whose shoulder I, I, I can look it's over. My, it's the SEO in me. It's I'm sorry to everybody. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. But I mean, I mean, we're all guilty of it. But right? I do the That's same like thing. The yeah, I'm not going to Google. Everybody's like, yeah. Chat GPT is going to have it. I'm not going to trust Chat GPT is built on data from three years ago. Like I'm not. <laughs> I don't trust that to give me guidance as a senior level career. You know, uh, content marketer. Like, right. I need this. Right. I need this dialogue and shows like yours to exist. Yeah, I mean, you need to be able to look over somebody's shoulder. And like, I wanted to look over my peers' shoulders and understand their process and where their heads are at and all of these things that you you don't even necessarily get out of even other formats, right? So it's like, how do we do something cool? Um, all right, so now let's talk about you've got everything developed. You're getting into the process. You've started to create uh, the, the thing, right? You know what you're creating. What is your pregame before you start to narrow it down and, and make it its own thing? This is so funny. Uh, so it's usually like put my glasses on uh, and you would think I meant these glasses. Uh, no, I actually end up yep. wearing two pairs of glasses a lot of times and I walk around like this. <laughs> this is just like I like them. So I wear them. They are actually like blue blocker glasses. But my wife, pointed out yeah, that yeah. This is, if you've been watching this long, hey, we've done our job. But also, uh, I hope this is funny. It's a reward. These are also like really dirty um, and have a really bad reflection. So like I all I just always wear them like that. Yeah. Um, so I end up wearing I put on my two glasses, right? Um, I almost always have like some sort of like beverage with me. Uh, usually get super caffeinated more than I need to be. It just ramps the angst up all the way. Um, <laughs> always music on always like I, I like some yep. sort of noise. I, I remembered I listened to a podcast with um, Matt Mullenweg uh, from WordPress, and he said he listened to one song on repeat over and over and over. Uh, and the words, Interesting. the lyrics fade into the background. You stop hearing the lyrics. And I started doing that, and I have found that to be incredibly powerful for me of just like put one song on, hit repeat. And you know within a couple loops, you're like, that's not it. Like, that's not the one. What are you listening to? Right now? Oh, yeah. That's such a good question. I'm so glad you asked. Um, there is a... Sound, a song called uh, The Downfall of Us All by A Day to Remember. Um, okay. And it starts with them like singing the bass line, which is just like, they also open all their shows with it. I didn't know any of this. It just came up randomly on Spotify one time. And I'm like, all right, that's the thing. Um, but I also wrote for probably like six months to, what is it called? The Star is Born that the, the Lady Gaga. Yeah, 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 yeah. The main song of that, easily like my top played song of the year. Oh, 
This beautiful song too. And just over. It depends on like what the mood is in. Like the, uh, I I think I wrote a lot, <laughs> wrote a lot of really sad stuff listening to uh, like White Iverson by uh, Post Malone. Like it's just, yep. I have like a couple songs that if we go back into this is why I actually love Spotify. Like if I go back to my like top songs of the year, I can instantly tell you what the what the writing songs are from that year. Yeah, you know. And also a lot of like lo-fi yeah. hip-hop. There's a channel that is streaming on YouTube. It looks like it's like an anime girl, uh, like lo-fi. Anybody who listens to lo-fi, you know exactly who you're talking about yeah. here. It's, it's, the, it's the number one plays, channel. And I put it on, I have yeah. a TV right here, like a big TV that's for like video games and stuff. But mainly it yeah. just plays that on a loop. Can I tell you something really cool that I'm really excited about real quick? Yeah. So... No, Nissan, no listen to this when i go to watch that if you go, go on uh if you listen to lo-fi you probably already know this so nissan runs an ad before that video before that streaming channel right and it is yep. a long form it is a woman driving in a car with lo-fi music behind it but in the background every once in a while she'll pass up like you can see on the car's handle it says nissan or on the steering wheel handle steering wheel but in the background, every once in a while, she passes a Nissan billboard. But there's also, like, giant robots on the horizon and, like, just cool anime stuff that goes in. They also have a six-hour version. I'm going to do something about this. This is things I can't stop thinking about. They also yeah, have, yeah. like, a six-hour version that has over a million plays. And it's not the ad because the ad's only five or six minutes. But one time, the second time it came up, I'm like, I'm going to let it ride. I'll watch the ad first. Yeah. It's good. Like, it's really good. And it yep. is... It, the ad is the thing I came here for. You know what I mean? Like, it's really cool yep. where I'm like, oh, neat. Like, really? Like, and I think they only do it over like a couple channels. Anyways, I thought, I think that stuff's fascinating. We're talking about content. Like, when the ad is better than the content I want to consume, like, that's cool to me. I've, I've started to get really mad at different brands because I listen to a lot of meditation mm -hmm. stuff at night and, you know, a lot of meditation, a lot of, um, uh, hypnosis like I'm really into that now just because I want to like like get as much rest as possible mm -hmm. and uh I get really mad the opposite of this is I get really mad at like SEMrush commercials for example coming on I'm like listening to this thing and I'm like nice and relaxed just about to have an out-of-body experience all of this other stuff and then it's like do you have manual busy work and I'm like nah <laughs> stop it we automate stop it you want to talk about and you're like oh god no right yeah, I'm like, ah, uh, no, no. I'm trying not to think about work. All, all, the, you all, know? all the time, but, yeah, yeah. All right, let's jump into the edit. And that's it for the podcast edition of The Cutting Room. If you'd like to watch while Brennan edits live, please click on the link in the show notes and you'll be brought directly to the edit on our YouTube channel. And if you'd like to get access to this document and many more like it, please go to thecontentstudio.com forward slash the vault and you will get access to many of the articles that have been edited on the show. If you like the episode, please be sure to rate and subscribe. Thank you so much, and we'll see you in the next one.